Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Happy to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in. It's an opportunity again for us to open the Bible and to learn at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the giver of rest, and we need it so much these days in all aspects of life. But today we are going to learn uh, uh, very important lessons how to rest. I'd like to welcome uh, the members of our panel. Helen, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, it is indeed a delight, a pleasure and a privilege to be here. Looking forward to our study. Great. And Lynn, it's good to have you with us also. Yes, thank you, Nick. And hello, listeners. Lija, thank you for joining. Thank you so much. It's a privilege for me, and especially it's a blessing. And Ken, thank you for being part of this discussion. Thank you, Nick. Always great to be here. The week has gone very quickly. It only seems like yesterday we were discussing last week's uh, uh, story, but today uh, we've got a new story, which is really, really interesting and looking forward to that. Wonderful. Brenton, thank you for joining us. And also thank you for preparing this uh, study for today. You are our facilitator. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. Um, we're looking forward to sharing this with those who listen and also amongst ourselves as panel. When I look at the subject of Jesus, the giver of rest, everyone, uh, when you think of rest, immediately thinks of uh, physical rest, generally speaking. Those who work really hard in society need rest, physical rest. Um, however, I believe the study that we're going to undertake today goes much deeper than just the need for physical rest. It's talking about spiritual rest. And our study this week is primarily concentrating on a portion of Scripture which is found between Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 4, chapter 4 and verse 11. Paul, the apostle of Hebrews, writes this for a reason. I believe he writes it as a warning, but also as an encouragement. The section highlights the example of the unfaithfulness of Israel, who on the border of the promised land refused to enter because of unbelief. And as a result, God did not allow them to enter the land, but they all died in the wilderness. Some of the key words we'll have a look at, not that most of our listeners are proficient in Greek, Nevertheless, they are important words. Um, some of the words mentioned today that we will study is the word today, which occurs in a number of places. The Greek translation for that is semeron. Then we have the word remain, and the Greek for that is katalepo. Then we have enter. The Greek for that is isochemai, and rest. And in this case, in the case of rest, in the Greek, two words are used in the section that we will be primarily concentrating on today. The Greek words are two, katapausis, which means to cease, to stop, to rest, and sabbatismos, which probably to some degree um, is self-explanatory. So we're going to be looking at uh, primarily the scriptural references, as I've said, between Hebrews 3, 7 and 4, 11. Also, Matthew 11.28, Helen is going to share with us from Joshua a couple of texts, and also we have a couple of additional texts in Second Samuel and elsewhere, just to get an overall picture of what all of this is about. I wonder, Helen, would you 
pray for us. Thank you, Brenton. Yeah, let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly to your throne. Yes. We ask that we will be still and wait for you to give us the words that we need to say this morning. May the Holy Spirit enlighten our minds and our hearts, not only of the panel, Father, but also of every listener. I pray that hearts will be touched mightily as we discuss this important topic today. Mm -hmm. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of working alongside and knowing that you are our king, but you have adopted us into your family, and we want to thank you for that. Mm -hmm. You are creator God. You're the God that gives us protection, rest, and gives us all we need. So thank you, Father, for being with us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer, and thank you, Lord, for answering. We ask all these in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Helen. Just a brief historical background before we get into our questions. Um, The section of scripture that we're primarily looking at deals with Joshua leading um, Israel into Canaan after Moses' death. However, Paul makes the point that the land had rest, and Helen will get to that in a minute, but Hebrews is very interesting because it tells us that Joshua didn't give them rest. So we need to explore that a little bit as well. And the readers of Hebrews, along with ourselves in 2022, are actually urged to enter that rest because it uses the term, there is a Sabbath rest that remains. That means that it was available in the past, and it seems as though the bulk of those that it was offered offered to did not receive it, and it's still available in 2022. So that rest is available to us as panel members, and it's also to available to our listeners. So we need to understand what the rest actually is, Now, the study today, we're going to look at the following questions. What type of rest did Israel receive on entering the promised land? But they didn't receive the rest that God offered. Question two, if they did not receive it, how can we living in 2022 receive it? What is the rest that God offers? Is it spiritual, physical or both? And who were the people? Paul addressed this letter too. Actually, how can we avoid the pitfalls of Israel? and truly enter God's rest today. Helen, I'm going to pass it over to you to share with us a couple of texts from Joshua, namely Joshua 14, 15, and Joshua 21, 43, and 44, and comment on that. And then you also have a text in 2 Samuel 7, verse 10, and further down a little bit in Hebrews 3, verse 7 to 11. Unpack this a little bit and share it so that we understand what's being said here and what isn't being said. Thanks, Helen. Thank you, Brenton. Yes, it's it's amazing what the Bible shares with us when we start studying it. And I'd like to start off with Joshua, chapter 14, verse 15. Thanks. And it, it says here, previously Hebron had been called Kiriath Arba. It had been named after Arba, a great hero of the descendants of Anak. And the land had rest from war. I think that's a very important statement, that the land had rest from war. So I guess, um, Brenton, the type of rest that Israel had at that time, according to Joshua um, 14, 15, was rest from war, rest from their enemies, uh, which is something that I think we would all love to have. Okay, (laughs) Joshua 21, 43 and 44 says, So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors, 
and they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. Okay, so again, here we have the rest from the war and from the enemies, but it's important to realize that even though they went to Canaan, Canaan does not represent completely the heavenly Canaan because no. they still had enemies around yes. and there was still evil in the world. So it's important to realize that an absence of war did not mean that they had everything that God wanted for them. But let's have a quick look at David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 10 and 11. And it says here, And I will provide a homeland for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people, and I will give you rest from all of your enemies. Here we go again. Yes. You know, God's making a wonderful promise. First of all, he's saying that the evil nations won't oppress them. And then he's saying, I've appointed judges to rule my people of Israel and I will give you rest from all your enemies. I believe there's a little bit coming in there of more than just rest from your enemies and um, rest from war. But let's go quickly because I know that we've got a lot to get through today. I, I could talk about this for quite a long time. No, no, feel free. <laughs> yeah, okay. And whose reign this happened in was the reign of Solomon. And it was a fantastic promise. You know, a promise that we could take to heart, a promise that we could look after, you know, we could really rest in that promise. And we know God's yeah. promises are sure. But I'd like to go to our, our main text here in Hebrews, if I may. Hebrews 3, 7 to 11. And Helen, that's well, a, while, you're, while you're looking that one up, Helen, just a reflection on the Solomon one. Any yes. study of the Old Testament would realize um, that Israel reached its zenith under the reign of Solomon as far as the amount of land that it actually held yes. or the surrounding nations that were subject to it. In other words, it seems as though that's as close as they ever got in the Old mm. Testament to possessing the whole land. Mm. That's that's a very, very good point. Thank you, Brenton. Okay, let's just have a look at Hebrews 3, 7 to 11, and let's hear it from the Word of God. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Hebrews 3, 7 to 11, it says, This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them, so in my anger I took a uh, an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Mm. Now, that seems to be a very, very harsh sort of um, a statement from God, really, because he did want them to enter into his rest. And it was very strange to me when I read this passage and I thought of all the past they had gone through. It just amazes me. Yes, and yes, Brenton, yes. I think it would amaze all of us, you know. But yet, when we look at our own, own lives, God brings so many blessings and miracles, and we forget also. I believe that this passage refers to the Israelites who had hardened their hearts in the wilderness. Yes. A hardened heart, I, I believe, is as useless as a hardened lump of clay or a hardened loaf of bread. 
Nothing can restore it and make it useful. You know, Psalm 95 warns us against hardening our hearts, as Israel did in the wilderness, by continuing to resist God's will. And this is what they were doing. Exodus 17.7 and Numbers tells us that. The people, I thought, when I thought about it, the people were so convinced that God couldn't deliver them that they simply lost their faith in him. Yeah. You know, they, they thought it was just impossible. And, you know, people with hardened hearts, Brenton, are so stubbornly set in their ways that they cannot, they cannot turn to God. Yeah. They've just turned away from him so much. And it doesn't happen suddenly. You know, if you watch the Israelite nation and you take the example from them, it was gradual until it got to the point where they did disregard God's will. You know, we need to trust God. But God's rest, if I may just add this, God rest has several meanings in Scripture. And we're going to discuss that today. I know, you know, the seventh day of creation, the weekly rest, um, commemorating it, the promised land of Canaan, peace with God now because of our relationship with Christ through faith. He gives us rest. Our future eternal life in Christ gives us rest. You know, all of these meanings were probably familiar to the Jewish Christian readers of Hebrews, but we can apply this verse as a warning to us about God's anger in the face of human rebellion against his kingdom. And by rejecting God's provision, um, who is Christ, of course, and not enduring in our faith, we miss the opportunity for spiritual rest as well, which we're going to go further on. But let me read a statement that, I, that I've read. And it says there is no encouragement given for unbelief. The Lord manifests his grace and his power over and over again. And this should teach us that it is always profitable under all circumstances to cherish faith, to talk faith, and to act faith. Isn't that a wonderful statement? Oh, does my heart good, I tell you, you know. But in all circumstances, the good, the bad, the valleys, the mountains, all of it, we need to cherish faith, his faith, talk faith, act faith. Thank yeah. you, Brenton. Thank you, Len. You had something to share with us too on this. Yes, probably some of our listeners are thinking, well, isn't God being a bit harsh here? Yeah, they might be too. And <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11 says, <laughs> which um, Helen read just before. You can so, read it again, Len, it's okay. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now you can take that two ways. In other words, it could be taken that God says, well, I'm going to shut them out no matter what. But I don't think it means that. And Helen did say something about this before, and I think it's worth repeating. They will never enter the rest that God has provided for them because of their unbelief, which is basically the story of salvation. God has made salvation available for everyone, as John 3.16 says, Mm -hmm. whosoever will, but some people won't. And so they're not going to be given a free ticket for salvation when they don't really want it. I have a second point. Sure. You know, uh, we're talking in Hebrews, and it's probably it needs a bit of um, thought to work out which rest. There are five types of rest being discussed. We're talking about the rest in Canaan, which is basically what Helen was talking about. Mm-hmm. When the people got to the land where they were they were promised, 
they could settle down and didn't have to fight wars anymore. And then there was the Sabbath rest, mm-hmm. which is the weekly rest. And then there's the heavenly rest, mm-hmm. the salvation rest, and the rest in rest, uh, what we would call the rest of grace. And I'll be talking about that a little later on. Yes, you will. <laughs> so, but what all this is pointing out, this lesson that we have from the Israelite nation where they, because of their unbelief in God's provision for them, they turned away from him. All these things are a lesson for us in 2022. Yes. In other words, they're a type, but they're also a lesson, and I believe that we all can benefit from learning what happened in the past, learning why those people were denied the rest that they could have had, and not following their bad example. Yeah, thank you, Len. Uh, Helen, if I can just backtrack to what you said and also following up on what Len said, the reason they died in the wilderness, I believe, is a point that we haven't touched on at this point. You remember when the spies came back with their report. Now, all 12 spies said that the land was good, but there were only two of the 12 spies who said that they were well able to enter the land. And they actually planned to appoint another leader to lead them back to Egypt. I believe in doing that, they actually divorced themselves from the leadership that God had appointed, which was Moses. And in so doing, I believe that's what led God to say they're all going to die in the wilderness, apart from Caleb and Joshua. Ken, you had some thoughts for us too on this. Thanks. I just wanted to make a comment on sure. Hebrews 3 that was, has been read uh, in verse 9. When yes. your fathers proved me and saw my works 40 years. Now, I don't know if people think about this, and it's very easy for us to do. You think about God was with them in the pillar of fire and in the cloud during the day, and he saw the, the people saw these amazing miracles, and yet they still drew back from God. Yes. And I wonder, I believe this is a human, uh, shall I say, frail. Tenden- uh, tendency. If, <laughs> yeah, if you tend, yeah, if you see something continually, you tend to, in the end, not pay too much attention to it. And I think perhaps maybe this is what happened here. Mm. Well, part of, part of our question one was you would have thought Everyone's touched on it a little bit, but I keep coming back to the fact that doesn't it seem strange that people who saw God's watch care, as you said, Ken, and miracles daily would fail right on the borders of the promised land? Would it be fair to say, panel, do you think that um, this process of unbelief, rather than developing as belief along the way, the process of unbelief was developing? Um, I just wanted to add also what has been uh, said and uh, a couple of times we make that comment that was God a bit too harsh you know to yes Helen touched on that Nick yeah yeah, to say those um, (laughs) words and in those you know those comments but have we asked also uh, ourselves and even maybe today each one individually were the people too wicked or too uh, disobedient, uh, if I could say maybe in a, in a nicer way, then prompted God to say those things. Because as Helen mentioned, um, that beautiful uh, verse 9 in, in chapter 3 in Hebrew, 
um, which God said again today, today if you hear the voice of the Lord. You see, that's an invitation already. Today, if yes. you hear the voice yes. of the Lord, harden not your heart. And you see, this is direct quotation from the Old Testament in, in Psalms. Yes. And um, God is always interested in our well-being. God is interested for us all to recover. I mean, to repent and to benefit of God's promises, of God's wonderful provision and the Sabbath, because this is the, the thing which we'll, we'll dig in a little bit more um, as we go. It's a wonderful provision. But, you know, so many of us, you know, so many people today, they harden their heart. Exactly what that passage says. And not taking God seriously because God wants the best for us. And we mm. actually are cutting off all the good things which God intended for us, we cut it off just because we harden our hearts. And we look around, and this is probably the trick. As Israelites, they looked around other nations, and they could see, oh, they're doing well. Oh, they are blessed in many things. Why should we only behave or or uh, do these things, you know, as uh, God asks? Look at them. They going so well and, and so on and so forth. And that's a pressure on many people today looking around and saying, but look at the majority. They don't keep the Sabbath. I mean, what's the point of keeping the Sabbath? It's not need to keep the Sabbath. I would like to dig into this a little bit more today and to see the blessings which God put aside for mm-hmm. us all just by understanding this and practicing these wonderful teachings. Yeah. Helen, you had some thoughts for us too. Thanks. Yeah, I'd like to comment on a statement that Nick made at the start of his his talk just then. Sure. When Mm -hmm. when he was saying about, you know, um, they were so wicked. And um, I can't quite remember what you exactly said, Nick, but they were so wicked that, you know, there was literally no hope for them. However, I think of wicked King Manasseh. He was so, so wicked, and yet he still, when he came back to God, God, he repented, and God took him back. And and to me, that's a great example for people today that, you you know, listener, you may be sitting there thinking, well, there's no hope for me, but rest assured the Bible is a book of hope. So, But in actual fact, God gives us a choice, a choice. He doesn't force any of us. And I believe that at the time that um, Paul was writing, I believe that some of the Jewish Christians, they received the letter, may have been on the verge of turning back from their promised rest in Christ. Just as the people so. of yeah. Moses' yeah. day. Yeah. And, and really, he was trying to get through that the difficulties of the present moment were overshadowing the reality of God's promise. And the people doubted that God would fulfill his promise. And, you know, when we trust our own efforts, instead of Christ's power, we too are very much in danger of turning back. You know, our own efforts are are absolutely never adequate. They're totally inadequate. Only Christ can see us through. You know, I believe that the Israelites of Moses' day illustrate a problem facing many that fill our churches today. A lot of people, they know a great deal about Christ, but they do not know him personally. 
Yes. They don't combine their yes. knowledge um, with faith. <laughs> you know, we need to let the good news about Christ benefit our lives. We need to believe in him and act on what we know and trust God and do what he says and come near to him. Study the Bible. Get to know him so you can talk to him personally. Yes. And don't Thanks. ever turn back. Yeah, thank you, Helen. Um, I think in summary of this um, discussion on question one so far, um, Helen, was it you who asked uh, earlier on, or Nick, uh, was God being a bit cruel in um, from entering the promised land? But we need to remember one thing. It says in the Bible that God himself made the comment, they have tested me these ten times. In other words, this wasn't the first time. If they had only sinned once and God said you're not going into the promised land, you might have grounds for saying that um, God's being a bit harsh, a bit unfair. But they'd tested him ten times according to what God himself said. And each time they'd failed the test, each time they'd revealed their lack of faith. So I believe God was quite within his rights to say, okay, and then when they finally decided they were going to choose another leader, they said, let's choose another leader to take us back to Egypt. He basically said, all right, you'll get your wish. You'll all die in the wilderness. You won't enter the promised land. Uh, Len, you had a thought for us. I think it's worth pointing out yeah. that the majority of people who were faithless did not enter the promised land. However, there were some who were faithful. Yes. Joshua and Caleb and Nain mm-hmm. yep. who went. So the uh, distinction here is whether they trusted God and were faithful or if they distrusted him and were unfaithful. There were yes. consequences each way. Yeah. Uh, just very quickly on that one, Len and panel. Yeah, it's hard to say um, about how many of them you know, uh, were faithful or rejected God openly and so on and so forth. But you see, the influence counts a lot. And that's today also. We can be just driven maybe the, the, of the things which we, we can hear or see even in the church and going along like sheep, you know, um, uh, towards destruction. And that's very important because God um, provided for us all these examples all these stories that we may know that God is serious about uh, our salvation. Good point, and, Nick. And, yes. and, and it's very important to take uh, in consideration this because we may say, we may look around and say, but look at this. My brother, he's an Orthodox and he always will use these words when I'm trying to talk to him about the truth of the Bible. He says, oh, where where many goes, I will go too. You know, I mean, I, I, he, he feels safe that he, if he's among the multitudes mm. of people. But this is the, the, the teaching saying, saying, you see, from that generation, only two people mm. enter Canaan. Now, from our generation, and we're talking about, uh, we are awaiting Jesus coming. As we talk now, we know that this is, uh, it's at at hand. It's, it's coming in, soon. Yes. It's coming soon. And are we prepared or are we ignorant exactly like those people um, of old? This is a good object lesson for us all today. I hope that we can take it on board. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for your comments. Len, you're going to share with us in question two a statement that you're going to read from the Hebrews 4, 1 to 3. 
And I wonder if you would do that for us now, together with uh, an invitation that Christ gave in Matthew, and then a quote. I wonder if you'd share those with us, and we'll have a look at that a little bit. Thank you. Well, listeners, I would like to read from a paraphrased version of the Bible yep. called The Clear Word, which I think is faithful to the original meaning. And I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 4, the first three verses. It says this, Therefore, let us be careful that we don't make the same mistake and end up not receiving this rest in our souls and entrance into the heavenly Canaan. Remember that the gospel was preached to them year after year in the drama of the sanctuary, just as clearly as it's being preached to us today. But it didn't help those who didn't believe, because they didn't have faith in God like those who obeyed. Way back, this is verse 3 now, when God created this world, he said, Only those whose faith leads to obedience will enter into my rest. So, if we have faith in God and obey him, then we'll receive the rest that he promised, which he alone can give. Now, Jesus said to everyone, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, this raises another question. Who can give us perfect rest? Well, I think it's quite clear what the Bible has said, and Jesus said himself. It's something which we can have from God. Now, as far as I'm concerned, we're quite comfortable. Our house is paid off. That's all good, but it doesn't give that inner rest that people are really searching for. I think there's a big point here that real peace and rest is a gift from God. Yes. Now, there's another thing. What if you really want that rest and you're trying to get it yourself? So you buy yourself a new lounge suite and that's nice and comfortable and and you get nice fitting clothes and a comfortable car and uh, you're, you're endeavouring to do it yourself. And that will never bring the satisfaction. What we really need is to commit our lives to the Lord serve and obey him, and we will have that rest, both here and now and in the future. Yes. I'd like to read this. The rest here, spoken in these three verses I read to you, is the rest of grace. And this is fantastic, you know. Amen. When you uh, have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, it seems as if you don't have to face all the issues of life alone. It's wonderful, and I can testify to this myself, it's wonderful to know that I am right with God. Yes. That salvation is mine. There are things that can upset you, but it's wonderful to have that rest or that peace. The rest here spoken of is the rest of grace, obtained by following the prescription, labor diligently. Now, that doesn't mean to work hard to get it yourself, but to labor to have a good relationship with the Lord. 
Those who learn of Jesus, his meekness and lowliness, find rest in the experience of practicing his lessons. Those who are unwilling to give the Lord faithful, earnest, loving service will not find spiritual rest in this life or the life to come. So I reckon there's some pretty good advice. Yes. Yeah? It's up to us to make the choice to serve the Lord, to be saved by his grace, and we will have that rest which Hebrews is talking about. Thank you, Lynn. You've summarised that very well. Ken, you had some thoughts for us. I would just like to add to that. Uh, we're talking about this rest, and perhaps some people don't maybe altogether grasp this. I'd also like to say that the rest is also a peace. Yes. And yes, good thought, Ken. Yeah. It's, it's a peace that when you have this, everything can be falling down around you. Everything can be completely out of control but you are at peace within because you know ultimately whatever happening, God is with you. And I think this is an important point. Ken, that's very well stated. Did any other of our panel members have any thoughts on this one? I agree with, with what Ken's just said. Yes. Yeah. You know, when all things are falling around you, when we're in Papua New Guinea and the earthquake went under our, our flat, and, yes, all things were falling around us literally, you know, the brakes <laughs> and the dust yes. and, and, you know, and what have you. But we had complete faith in God. You know, the first thing that my husband and I did was pray. And and um, it was just amazing. I've experienced his beautiful peace and rest a number of times, and there is nothing to equal it. There is nothing. I don't ever want to turn away from him. I've experienced that and I love him so much because of it. And I, I believe that um, what Len said was was very well worth listening to as well. We have warnings and, and God has given us the time, but he's saying that word today, today is the day of salvation. Yeah, that's that's true. Nick or Lydia, do you have any thoughts on this? Lydia? I observed that many times in the Bible God never gave up on these unfaithful people. He true, kept, true. He kept urging them all the time to enter this rest and not to harden their hearts. And uh, that God's invitation was there in many repeated occasions. It means God was present with them day and night through the cloud and through the pillar of fire and uh, in spite of their wickedness and disobedience god never gave up on them this is a a a very good encouragement for me and for us today that god's love is so strong and faithful there for his people not to die but to be saved and we have to be prompt to his love and to his calling to come back to God, to serve him and love yeah. him with all yeah. our hearts. And Brenton, yeah, just uh, what Ligio is saying, it's so true. And um, thank God for his love and mercy and long-suffering with us all. Amen. Uh, but I, I want to add <laughs> yeah. here that, that this is not a free license for sin and for disobedience and for all those things which we may do every day as sinners. This sure. is to be prompted that, okay, yeah, God is long suffering with us, but there will be 
like for Israel and many people in the Bible, there will be an end uh, to it all, as it will be an end to the sin on yes. this planet Earth. But that will be an end for each of us personally. If yeah. we, um, and I don't want to bring that, uh, is not our subject today, the sin against the Holy Spirit, you know, because that's when God can prompt it, can prompt it us, can yes. still ask us to come back to him. But if we continue in our uh, disobedience and uh, uh, work against the Holy Spirit, we will be lost. That's the um, reality. That, that's very true. Um, going back to the word enter and strive, a um, couple of thoughts that uh, came to my mind that might help us a little bit here. You remember um, at one stage in Christ's ministry, the people said, what, may, what must we do that we might do the works of God? And what was Jesus' answer? The works of God is you, you are to believe in the one that he has sent. In another place, Christ actually said this. He said that um, if anyone wills to do his will, he will know of the doctrine, whether I speak of God or whether I speak of myself. So if we're striving to enter that rest, we need to study the words that Christ has spoken because he said that the words he spoke were truth. He said the words that he spoke were true. He said that if you want to know God's will, you have to follow what I've told you. And if we're willing to do that with sincere hearts and with a willingness not only to hear it but to follow it, I believe then we can have the rest that God speaks about. I think we've got to remember the hardening of the heart is something that happens in our life. You know, if you say no to something the first time it comes, it's easier to say no the second time. Yes. And I believe this is the background. As I said before, it doesn't happen suddenly. But if you start saying no to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, the next time it's still a no. And the more times you're saying no, the and as I said, of the heart's continuing. Yeah, God doesn't force that on you. But if you get to the stage, you don't even want to listen to him. Yes. And that's, that's a terrible state to be in. Thank you, Helen, for that thought. Ken, uh, you're going to share with us some examples, an illustration that Paul uses to illustrate this rest that is still available by taking us back to Eden. I wonder if you would share Hebrews 4, 4 to 9 with us, please. Sure. For he spake in a certain place on the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if ye hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Yeah, really interesting stuff here. And here Paul is using the creation Sabbath to illustrate God resting from his work. And I believe the Greek word is, Cataparis. Yes. I'm not sure if I've got that quite right. <laughs> no, that, that'll do. <laughs> whilst, whilst the text is not proof text for Sabbath keeping, it does indicate 
the race spoken of is available in the present tense. And because it remains, it is still available, Sabbathismus, and each Sabbath. We are reminded that we cease from our labor, both physically and spiritually, just as God did from his at the end of the creation week. So it's a, it makes it very clear here, I believe, that this particular Sabbath rest is on the Sabbath day where we enter in specifically and get really close to God having that special rest day. Yeah, thank you, Ken. You've summarised that very well. I wonder, as panel members, I know time is moving on, but um, I wonder what aspects of the Sabbath rest have we found in our own lives that have been beneficial that we can share with our listeners? Ken? Yeah, I I would like to say that uh, there's a number of things that the Sabbath has entered into my life, and that is, firstly, and these aren't in order, by the way, but just fellowship with other like-minded Christians. Yes. That's one thing. It's also, I believe, is uh, it's a reminder that this is God's day, and we share that day with him, and it's a reminder of that. But also it reminds me what God has done for me. Amen. Len. Yes, well, I uh, at one stage had a business, a car business, repairing and restoring and buying and selling, and I had some mechanics working for me, and uh, they did not keep the Sabbath, and over the weekend they would take some private work come Monday morning because they had kept working on the weekend and on the Sabbath, they were they were worn out, they were tired, but the Sabbath rest just to switch off both physically and mentally from the work and enjoy the things that God had for me was a real refreshing thing. And um, I think it's important that in the uh, makeup of man that we do have a rest. Take time off every week. Now, some people can say, well, all right, I'll, I'll work. I won't work on Tuesday. Yes, that has some benefits, but God didn't bless and hallow that day. He blessed and hallowed the seventh day of the week. And you get a double blessing by uh, ceasing from your work and also being refreshed spiritually on the Sabbath. And I can testify that it really worked with me. Thank you, Helen. I, I know that some of us are very busy on the Sabbath day. I don't consider it work. Um, I know I've got the lesson at Birdwood this week plus the sermon. Um, I don't consider that work, though. But, you know, we are busy. We are busy. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the ministry lot that, uh, you know, that we are busy doing but not being, not being with him. And for me, I, I look at the word rest and I think, well, for me, the Sabbath is a time of restoration. And as Len just said, it's, it's a refreshing time. It's a time refreshing for spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, the whole lot, especially as we're worshipping God. It's a time that I believe is going to be carried right through to eternity. So, yes. hey, get used to it on this earth. It's a spiritual time, yes, in rest. It's a spiritual time. Sabbath, you know, and again, as I said, 
it's it's not just the spiritual aspect, but we are blessed in so many ways. And the T for me in rest means today. Today yes. be transformed by keeping his Sabbath how he wants us to do. Mm. It's interesting that this Sabbath rest that it's talking about in Hebrews, the illustration used by Paul is only the illustration of the seventh-day Sabbath. So as Len said, it doesn't matter whether you want to keep Tuesday. What we find in our society today and is very popular among many Christians, when you raise the issue of the correct day of worship to keep, they say it doesn't matter which day you keep, providing you set one day aside. Well, there is a a small problem with that. God has only actually specified one day in which he wants us to worship, and he's used the word blessed, sanctified, and made holy. I agree with you, um, Helen, that Sabbath for some of us can be the busiest day of the week, but it can still be a blessing because if you're opening God's word, if you're singing, you're praying, you're sharing with God's family, it can be a real blessing. But I do think that even so, during that time, you need to spend quiet time with the Lord yourself. You need to receive in order to be able to give, and I think that's very important. Any other thoughts before we move on to question four? Yeah, just um, uh, <laughs> I think I mentioned this uh, other, in other programs. Uh, again, I, I talked about my brother a bit earlier. Uh, yes. He asked me that question once, says, why I cannot keep my uh, Sabbath, which he referred to Sunday, as, oh, you yeah. keep, as you keep your Sabbath, like Saturday. And the only answer I could give him at that time, and I thank God for him prompting me to say, because is not blessed. I mean, you cannot yes. keep a day which is not blessed. But I would like to come back to this because you see, we can focus on keeping the Sabbath and mainly focusing on resting, you know, then uh, for the physical labor, even though we, we, we said about the uh, spiritual aspect. But let's look at God. God rested. Was he tired? Was he, um, you know, no, but what happened? Interesting that God looked back and he said everything was good. You know, I wonder, I wonder if we should observe the Sabbath to look back at the goodness of God for the week past, for the week past, to look back at the goodness of God and then to prepare for the week to come, to continue to uphold Jesus, God, in our life. I, I consider Sabbath sometime like a timeout in a game when you evaluate yourself, you evaluate uh, what God has done for you, and you are preparing to continue to be in yes. that wonderful relationship with God in the next week to come. This is probably what we are missing on the Sabbath day, because many people who are trying to keep a day as a rest day, they are still busy in their mind and everything with all the business of life, even maybe not going to work, but still making plans in their mind. And I hope that I will have just a a minute a bit later to, to share with you an experience of a couple, a young couple in their mid-twenties, how they discovered by themselves in the Bible how to do things and particularly how to keep Sabbath. If there will be time, maybe I will mention a bit later Thank you, Nick. Uh, I appreciate that very much. Um, Lydia, you're going to share with us in regard to question four. Uh, There is a quote for you to read, but also... um, 
Who is this addressed to? Okay, this Hebrew book, Paul is addressing uh, as a sermon to church members who had tested the Lord that was good. So it means they, they were serving the Lord. They heard the message of the gospel proclaimed with power, but now they were weary and in danger of losing their hope of eternal life due to persecution or and sheer spiritual ex- exhaustion. So can this happen to us also? What, what do you think? Yes, it happened to us because we can be tempted, we can be allured by the, the other attractions uh, of the world, we can get busy, we can focus on something, something else, or mm-hmm. can be, we can spend time on media, on TV, on Facebook, Twitter, or getting tired or exhausted. But we have to focus on Jesus. We have to stay mm-hmm. connected on the vine. Yeah. So I would like to read this quote. So what is your profession? What we profess to follow Christ. We claim to be Christians. Then do we reveal Christ likeness? Do we serve the Savior intelligently? Does the love of God continually flow from us to others? Faith can be maintained only by bringing the Christian religion to the test of practice thus demonstrating its transforming power and the faithfulness of its promises. So if we are staying connected in the vine, which is Christ Jesus, then his character is transforming our character. And in this way, we are serving others, loving others, showing God's character, being Jesus ambassadors. It's coming very uh, naturally. If we are staying connected, connected in the vine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lynn. I'd just like to say this. You can get burnout from doing good and being good, I suppose. Yes, you can. You can. Um, And I think we've got an example in the Gospels that Jesus took time out, took time out to go to a lonely place, Uh, took time out on his own to pray, but he took time out with the disciples and just went somewhere and left all the burdens of doing good for a little while just to be refreshed. Yes. All right. Thank you. Um, Nick, can you just share with us in closing uh, Hebrews ten thirty-five to 39? It's our last question for today, and uh, I think it's worth sharing this uh, with our listeners. Thank you. Absolutely, uh, Brenton. And, uh, you know, we can be easily, you know, sidetracked by all the negative things, all the, you know, problems we have in life. Uh, I like to point out here from verse 35, you know, in in, uh, Hebrew 10. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence. Okay, what is our confidence? And this is the big question we should ask. (laughs) Is our confidence in the things which we have, in the success, in all all the things in life or our confidence is in our Lord Jesus Christ? And that's probably the question. And it says further, which has a great reward. Yes. You know, if yes, we have does. confidence in uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. In verse 37 says, for yet a little while and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now, 
the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to the perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. This is wonderful uh, uh, passage in the Bible. It is. Very positive to understand that God is on our side. God will do everything what it's possible for our salvation. But we have a part to play. And we can easily even abandon, give up, or all those things, and miss out on the great privileges and the great promises of God. I just said that if I have a minute, I will share this one. I believe uh, this strengthened my faith also. I came across a young couple just a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and I learned that they came across, you know, uh, to the Bible, coming from uh, both of them, from a atheistic background, you know, not believing in in their, uh, um, you know, families. And they read the Bible, and as they read the Bible, they discovered uh, lots of things. And one of them was Sabbath. And they shared with me how they keep Sabbath, how they prepare everything in the preparation day, that they, at the sunset, they will come themselves before the Lord, and they will have a wonderful day with the Lord, not worrying about anything else. I believe that's a great lesson for us all. Yes, For Israelites, they knew about Sabbath, they knew about things, but they were for 400 years in Egypt, and they lost the significance of the Sabbath. And they find themselves even going to collect the manna, in the field when God says not to go to collect the manna. I believe this is a wonderful lesson for us all because we could easily lose some of those significance Mm -hmm. of how to keep and observe Sabbath. And it comes some people here who never have a tangence with the Lord before, with God, and the Bible teaches them how to observe Sabbath properly. I will encourage every single one of us and our listeners to look into the Bible and to understand what God wants from us uh, to to keep the Sabbath and to have rest because we talked about rest. Now, we may have rest going holidays. We may have rest uh, doing all sorts of things, taking off from from work, but that rest which will give us a lot of peace in our heart, that's what I'm looking forward for, that sort of rest. May God help us all to benefit of this. Yeah, thank you. I believe, uh, Nick, this is what we need today as we face life's trials and difficulties. And uh, it happens when our spiritual batteries are running low. We need what is promised here that you've just read, Nick. We must not draw back, though. Remember, verse 38 says, I have no pleasure in those who draw back. We must not draw back lacking faith, but our belief is an active one. Christ is our righteousness and he alone. Let us hold fast to our profession um, of our faith. I'd like to make an appeal in the closing minute of our program. I want to appeal to our listeners to heed and take hold of the warning that we've studied in our study today and the promise, not just the warning, but the promise. The promise is This rest is still available today. Have you entered God's rest? Have you as a listener really understood the Sabbath 
Have you understood the Sabbath is not just a mechanical day that we need to keep holy rather than another day of the week? Have you understood what it is to enter God's rest? Because I believe the study that we are sharing with you today is exactly to this point. Paul uses the example of creation. He uses the example of the seventh day to illustrate that that rest is still available. And my appeal is, folk, if you've never kept a Sabbath before, maybe this Sabbath is time to start keeping the Sabbath for the first time. Find a church that keeps the Sabbath and go and worship with them, as Nick has shared with us. Len, I wondered if you'd close with prayer for us, please. I'd love to. Father in heaven, we've had this beautiful study today about what you've planned for those who love and serve you. We've been talking about receiving and believing in the rest. We've also been talking about not turning away from it. Yes. But hang on to the hope that you've planted in us. I just pray for all our listeners that they might be faithful and true and might receive that eternal rest that you have promised. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for uh, your participation today, a wonderful study. And uh, as the book of Hebrew, it's uh, still reserving for us uh, lots of good things, you know, to learn. Next uh, subject, it's about the priesthood. Uh, Jesus, our faithful priest. And that's important also to understand because uh, we approach quite a few different uh, subjects like today, the Sabbath. And I must say this uh, now, there are many people who sincerely, they keep Sabbath another day and they think that that's the right Sabbath. I will encourage you to understand why God speaks about the seven-day Sabbath. Because, yeah, we may have all sorts of uh, directions and understanding about this, but let's allow the Bible to teach us and to guide us in all truth. May God richly bless you and looking forward to have you with us again next time. But until then, may God bless you and continue to walk in the footsteps of Jesus.